This past week, I was helping uh, a client with their resume, and they sent me their resume, and I looked at it, and I started uh, spitting out all kinds of what I thought was wisdom about what should change, what should go in, where it was incomplete. And I stopped myself and said, you know, uh, where do these rules come from in terms of the length and the content and where to put things? And in today's world, I thought, you know, maybe the rules that I've had in terms of writing a resume are no longer applicable. So that gave me pause, and it didn't come out of the blue. I just finished reading Adam Grant's book, uh, Think Again, and uh, it made me think again about what I was asking this client to do or not to do. So this is what we talk about today is the need to, to really rethink uh, our thinking about certain aspects of HROD. So come on in, grab a snack, welcome. Hello. Come on Hello. in, everybody. Come on in. The coffee's oh, on. The teapot's ready. Feliz the Navidad. Hot. Feliz <laughs> Navidad. <laughs> We're like two kids in the last day of school before Christmas. That's right. But I'm wanting to say, I'm wanting, I'm wanting to feed everybody. You know, come on in. Because oh. I do, I do a full, I do a full Mexican Christmas. Oh, really? That's what you're uh -huh. going to do this year? I've, That's I've done it do every 50, year. 50 years. 50 years, the exact so, same menu for Christmas Eve. Okay, so you're looking at the dinner table. Or what do you see there for well, your Mexican feast? First of all, it used to be very unique. <laughs> now it's not. I do a white, <laughs> a white chicken chili. Mm. that has olives in it and almonds and chicken. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, anyhow, it's very earthy and great white, white beans, white chicken, black olives, cilantro. It's really good. And then I do guacamole, like it's supposed to be done chunky with tomatoes and lemon yeah. and real lemony. That's authentic Mexican. And when I used to make it, people go, Oh, what's this? <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. I do a homemade salsa and chips, and I do a tortilla uh, roll-up, which is you take a huge tortilla and you put goat cheese and, and uh, chilies in it and um, trying to think what else, a lot of uh, paprika and chili powder and uh, some, some kind of crunch. I've got to get my recipe out. And then you roll them. You dub, do two, you roll them and cut them into spirals. And then, oh, it's got a lot of cheese in it. And then you, wow. serve, you serve them hot. And I do flan. Oh, my goodness. And warm flan. What else? what else? No, not warm flan. It has to be cold. Cold flan. Cold flan. And what else do I do? There's something else. Oh, watermelon wedges cut, you know, in a triangle or dipped mm. chili powder on the top. Muy Mexicano. That sounds muy, uh, muy Mexicano. Muy Mexicano. Yeah. Uh, me, me gusta mucho. Hey, <laughs> okay, so, onward. <laughs> onward. Well, I, what, what I love 
uh, about this tradition. You remember a few episodes we talked about the rites and rituals that families and organizations do. And uh, I bet if you one year said, hey, let's do prime rib this year, you'd have a rebellion on your hands. Almost. Although they've okay. all, no, I, 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 yeah, I don't know makes, that. I'm, it's the same thing with cranberry ice uh, at Thanksgiving. And mm -hmm. I used to ask at work during the holidays, what has to be on your table? If it isn't on your table, it isn't Christmas. Or it isn't Hanukkah. Or it isn't Kwanzaa. Or, and yeah. it was very idiosyncratic, the things they came up with. You know. Okay, so we're <laughs> so uh, we're we're going to do a mini topic because we we've uh, <laughs> we do digress once again. So here's what I've been thinking about. Uh, I just read Adam Grant's book. Uh, Think again: uh, the power of knowing what you don't know. And uh, I thought it was a great book, uh, learned a lot uh, in terms of his thinking and some good tools to kind of keep your mind open. But I immediately um, went back into my HROD mode and I was helping someone with an organizational chart, asked me to look at it. Hey, would you take a look at this for me? And I said, yeah, sure. Send it to me. And Joyce, I proceeded to say, hear my thoughts. And as I told him my thoughts, I realized these were uh, hardwired rules in my mm -hmm. head mm -hmm. that that I'm spitting out. It's like doing a resume. You know, there's a right way and there's a wrong mm -hmm. way. Uh, mm -hmm. Here's what you should do. Here's what you shouldn't do. And and I think there's some value in terms of what, what do you call it, experience or knowledge or wisdom. Um. But I, I immediately said, why, why are those hardwired rules and do mm -hmm. they apply anymore? And so I, I think about the changing workplace. I think about some of the contentious issues in the workplace. Uh, and I, I became curious about what are some things that we may want to rethink again, as in we see it going this way uh, or we do it this way. And, and perhaps given the times, we should be open to other ways. So that's that's my topic, and hopefully we can fill 10 minutes with that. <laughs> I was going to be quiet just to be mean. <laughs> <laughs> be mean. It's Christmas. <laughs> I have a big brother. <laughs> um, well, we talked briefly before we uh, went live, and what you were talking about were titles and how – Authority is built into titles. Money is built into titles. And authority is built into titles. And so I'm thinking, what are the almost philosophical, but not quite. I think an important question is where, where does authority live mm. in an organization? You know, how, how much do you disperse power? How much do you consolidate power and why? We need Peter Drucker. Um, well, the, one of the rules is you can't, the old rules is you can't trust people unless you can see them doing their work. Yeah. And, and thus, returning to the workplace is a priority for many companies. 
Right. And also, yeah, also that. Um, you also know, that authority what, provides all the answers. Yeah. You know, breaks a tie. You can bring people together. But yeah, authority is going to say A or B. Whereas yeah. you could let the group or the team do that. It's designing what, what power. I, it's designing the flow of power that makes mo makes movement to create or produce with as much cohesion and uh, enthusiasm as you can have, is with as much X factor as you can have. So how do you how do you design that? Well, you, you know, uh, so I'm I'm gonna. Uh, just kind of uh, have me rethink, given what you just said, you know, what you're suggesting is, and it, it could apply to an organizational chart, it can it apply to titles, looking at it through the prism of where do you want the power to reside and mm -hmm. why is not one that I used. Mine were wrote rules about here's the do's and don'ts. And uh, if I think about new thinking, maybe you've done it all along, but uh, I think that's no. a, a fascinating way to look at uh, organizational structure and, uh, and you know, the specific components of people's work. And it's true in any institution, be it church or schools or whatever. Um, you know, the authority for learning resides in the teacher. It could reside in the students. We talked about that uh, last time when we talked about uh, uh, having teams self-regulate and self-advise. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I, I remember uh, a blog I wrote once that said, "Where when you picture yourself in the organization as a top leader, where are you standing? Are you in front of a block of people? Are you in the center of a messy circle of people? Are you behind all the people? kind of pushing and guiding? Are you at the side? Are you above <laughs> yelling orders? Where where do you literally picture yourself standing? And, and tell me, you know, you've done that a, a number of times. What are some of the insights or uh, reactions that you've gotten? Because there's another way of new thinking, kind of in a three-dimensional way about uh, where a person sees themselves. Well, and I even had uh, a team maybe of 20 experiment this with using um, big balls as um, the momentum or as the product or as the communication. So you want to get X done. I would give the ball to somebody not necessarily a CEO, but maybe anybody, and say, how, how are you going to get it done? And many times it would go, the ball would go to the CEO position again and again and again. And the CEO in, in one of the experiments would keep pushing it back. So they would press the ball around to one another. And finally, they'd get frustrated and send it to the CEO. So when do you need the authoritative role <laughs> and when do you need the facilitative role? But anyhow, um, I, I learned that 
we weren't very flexible about thinking how work can be put together. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, and that it created too much confusion to have it be you know, that, unique. That by itself is a pretty uh, significant uh, revelation because what it, at least what it does for me is it says, okay, so how do I create a new way of looking at this that ultimately, as you say, rolls that ball in a way that things get done. Hmm. Yeah, so are many, juggling many, because then I gave them all tennis balls, which was much more realistic about what they were juggling and having to throw to somebody else who was already keeping two balls in the air and another ball came. You know, how do you keep the liveliness in the flow of work and not kill it for order and speed? Yep. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if, I, if I'm the CEO, so I want to go back to your example. <clears throat> if I'm the CEO and that ball keeps coming back at me and then finally it ends up, hey, the game's over, it's in your hands. Uh, I think that's great feedback for what they may want to do uh, in terms of shifting that power. It you know, did, if it keeps it coming did. back at you, that's like, yeah, I mean, that's a, a rude awakening. Okay, and I've really seen as the last uh, the last stop before anything getting done. And he, uh, she had too many balls coming at them at the same time, so they'd have to drop, drop one to catch the other. It was a great yeah. um, making physical the mental thought process. Your example that you mentioned had to do with titles. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, and I'll I'll um, I'll just say it had to do with elevating titles, which as an HR person, I am the rule in my head was to resist because every boss would love their people to have a, a better, greater title. Is that um, right? So that's blind. I I think it is. Yeah, doesn't it cost? Not, not, you know, it cost not universally. Uh, and yeah, where do, mean, where does where does salary fit in with that design? Well, that may be part of the rethinking. Part of my pushback was, you know, there's there there should be a criteria for making a shift to making someone an officer of a company to make right. them uh, kind of a key leader in the organization versus an individual contributing supervisor. And um, part of my resistance is you can give them a great title, but all of a sudden they're going to look at the world and say, I'm not getting paid anywhere near what this mm -hmm. position should be paying mm -hmm. me. Well, there's a rule in my head. You know, every, I look at the banking industry. You you start the entry level position is vice president. <laughs> you know, and then you become senior, then you become executive, then you become supreme. You know, uh -huh. so th there's kind of a an unconventional industry's way of looking at positions. And so you know what the impetus, just, you know what the impetus what? was for the title change? Was it to make them feel I, more power? You know, what was the impetus? Uh, I think it was twofold. Um, God, the, talk about thinking again. I think <clears throat> I'm not even 100% sure. I, I think part of it was compared to other industries and other positions that they could get in other companies. Uh -huh. uh, banking, at least entry level, doesn't pay that great. So you give a title. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think also, uh, since banking is such a customer-facing industry, um, you know, you want to be dealing with 
the VP, not the head teller. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that I, 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 I'd love to hear from some of our banker friends uh, out there to tell me where the heck I got it right and wrong. You know, I always, I would, in his shoes, talk to each person about their job satisfaction, their feeling of power, their feeling of um, agency, being able to do what they want to do in a full way. Yeah. Here, I'd, I'd try to keep money out of it for that conversation because I don't know what he's he's making a decision uh, or he or she is making a decision about what their associates want or yeah. need. And it sounds like it's respect. And, yeah, I think you're right. And it's in social services, which, and I worked in social services. Yeah, I'd want to know where, the, yeah, I, and he's new in his position. It's a perfect conversation to have. Yeah. Do, you, do you feel okay. that you have the power you need to get your work done? Are you satisfied with the content of your work? How, in terms of the rest of the world, where do you, uh, where are you satisfied? Where aren't you? And I, I would do a lot of listening and then do a disruptive, make a disruptive title of some kind. Yeah, what I love about that it model, fits. you can really apl- apply, it fits, and you can apply it to a lot of different situations. Because if we're thinking about rethinking, I, I don't think it's an intellectual pursuit, necessarily. It's more experientially, where you go out and you have conversations that helps you mold your your thinking about a, a given topic, whether it be compensation, whether it be workplace mm-hmm. uh, satisfaction, work from home. What's needed um, so like for efficacy out in the world and what's needed for self-worth? I mean, it's pretty philosophical, yeah. but I, I could boil it down to five questions. But I would want in in his, her shoes to listen based on elements of job satisfaction. Yeah. Because then you might, you know, yeah. you could be, the title could be public servant. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think the what underscores from my perspective, so here's another rule, and uh, it's pretty hardwired, is that that titles matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that what you call a particular position uh, matters uh, to the to the person, to how they're seen within an organization. And so I think what I like about what you're suggesting is before you uh, mix that up or change it, get some good data points uh, to see if, if mm-hmm, it's in titles fact, do uh, matter. What's most needed. Yeah. W- w- you know, what do you, yeah. What title? Yuck. 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 That's how I'm ending. I'm ending this with yuck. Okay. So we're, well, you know, if, if I look back at the year that we've just had on this podcast, I think so much of what we've talked about, whether it be how leaders lead or how leaders learn uh, or how people learn, uh, how workplace is shifting. Uh, I, I think the common theme is, is is provoking some or evoking some new thinking about how we as HROD practitioners uh, go about our work. 
Yeah, so and, and how, and you how do you generate energy? How is energy yeah. generated in your organization? Okay, that's your homework, everyone. <laughs> come back, <laughs> come back with the answer. Out. We want the answer. <laughs> well, uh, oh my goodness, Joyce. So uh, we're done. Our work's done here. Uh, I hope you have a great holiday. Uh, Feliz Navidad, which I think if that's your dinner, I shouldn't say that. I have a, a Mexican Christmas in a Mexican house, and I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Latin America, so... I do a Latin. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. Y a todo el mundo. May you all celebrate that which brings light into your life. As Joyce and I wrapped up this last uh, recording of our podcast before Christmas, uh, we had a conversation about taking the time to reflect and appreciate and celebrate the life that we have. So uh, in the spirit of that, I want to thank all of our listeners, uh, my friends, Joyce's friends, colleagues out there that show up for us each week. We appreciate it. We hope you're getting something out of it. I can assure you we are getting a lot out of it. So um, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, uh, whatever you celebrate uh, this season. Uh, I hope you have a peaceful and joyful holiday. Till the next time.